Hello and welcome to Enough Liquor, a podcast where we are always fun, fun, fun as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 111th episode in the series, Comedy of Errors. Ah, the stand-up one. (laughs) What do you think about this one? I like it. I think it's just totally funny and totally kooky. And um, my one like sort of scholarly endeavor um, in reviewing my notes here was to Google and see if any of the four actresses had, had ever done stand up. Um, oh, yeah. Because I do think it's, it, I mean, we'll get into it for sure, but it's an incredibly intimidating um, scenario, I think, to even yeah. think about. Um, and I didn't find that they did, but they all, you know, they did vaudeville, which I feel is more or less, you know, kind of the same thing. Cause it's like performance, but also kind of improvisational. And yeah, um, there's a lot of like an MC quality to it where you're, you're right. With right. The audience. Right. So I feel like they could all have, you know, they all could have delivered the tapioca joke <laughs> with the same. <laughs> it killed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the other way it's funnier <laughs> i know right oh my god um yeah i like this one too and i i i think it's funny because initially i kind of was like ah the a and the b story are like really just like kind of superficial you know it's just like if you were to give the synopsis you're like dorothy tries stand up rose <laughs> tries to make a co-worker like her like it's not you know it's kind of scratches the surface but honestly if you think about it like even both both storylines have a, a degree of heft to them in terms of like scholarship because, or at least just thematically, because I think for the, the comedy one is interesting about how this is something that Dorothy had wanted to do since high school. That's like, you know, 40 fucking years <laughs> of just sitting there not doing anything about it. And then the conclusion at the end is fascinating because when she actually gives it a try, she enjoys herself, but she totally takes the power away uh, from this thing hanging over her head because she decides, okay, it's not for me. And she also could very well have decided, this is for me, this is great. Like, I'm gonna do it again. But I, I just, I think that that's so, that is such like an adult lesson to learn. And whether it's an ambition that you have, like it is in this case, or even just a fucking like annoying task that you have to do that you just haven't done. <laughs> It's like almost always built up more in your head than it actually turns out to be in real life. So I, I just think that that's a, it's a really interesting metaphor, like an analogy for just like so many things you have to do as adults or that we should do as adults. Um, so I kind of like that, you know, I was like, this is actually deeper than I thought it was going to be than tapioca, you know? Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. It's, um, it's almost like Walt Whitman. Exactly. And also, but I, also the B story too, like that we're, we'll get into it, of course, but like the idea of something that's not very adult is like not letting someone just not like you. <laughs> So it's like, it's just in terms of like how the world works, right? Like there's so much naivete there from Rose's perspective, especially how the, the situation gets resolved that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I, I just think there's a really, there's some, there's some stuff to say. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think also like this, um, theme of I would call it sort of um I don't know, like mild regret. Like, you know, Sophia has yeah. the list, the list, you found my list and like, you know, Dorothy's, but Dorothy's revelation from Helen Colquist <laughs> um, is a pretty 
you know, there's some half there like that, like, like that you were saying, like, yeah, it reminds me of um, the woman who had like a watercress salad and then died, you know, like, it's kind of the same thing as like, if you don't sort of live in the moment, you'll never yes. do it. And I think that also adds to Dorothy's sort of pursuit of this. Um, yes. So I think that there is some weight there. But yeah, generally, I just think it's like, goofy. Um, yeah. And it's it's fun to see. The Arthur is so, so good at performing as a performer, which we've talked about a million times. Um, But she just does does such a good job. And she like really looks a little bit nervous at first, but then, you know, they come back with that cut and then she does her like the trouble is bit. And um, (laughs) (laughs) that's her, what's the deal? Um, (laughs) But she just like is so good at like, embodying emotion as an actress which mm-hmm. like you know this this episode doesn't feel like one where you're like oh wow like the acting is you know this is like should be on B. Arthur's real but I I think it when you think about it it's, <laughs> it's a pretty tough thing to pull off and she obviously does yeah exactly exactly no I love the ride that she goes on emotionally with this you know I'm especially like sweating it out when she's like why am I doing this oh my god like you know like sitting super nervous before she goes on stage like it's, yeah. it's pretty awesome it's pretty great it feels very real too like a very real backstage at that type of comedy yes. club exactly. um and you know what it makes sense to me that she's funny most humorous girl in her class because she's so smart and she's so quick that like you know yeah. that's what I associate with being funny yeah, exactly. She's got wit for sure. I feel like I feel like in seventh grade I was voted like funniest girl or something like that because of course we had to divide divide things on gender lines. We couldn't just say no. that you were funny. Funniest girl <laughs> is like what? Like fifth funniest boy? <laughs> just kidding. I'm women are men. <laughs> men are not funny. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, it's a sliding scale. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So great. Fun, fun, fun. Um, So, all right. (laughs) At the top of the episode, I also, I love when they get the mail and it's like an event because (laughs) it just feels so, it's not that like, like I get mail, we get mail. I get like real mail too sometimes, like actual letters still. Um, But it's just funny because it just doesn't feel like an event. It's like just something that you have to do, but like going to the mailbox and being like, here, I brought you your share of the pile. (laughs) like reading it together is like I just always love those cute scenes it just feels like such a great flashback to times past yeah very roommatey it reminds me a lot of college I feel like we would um like we would go to the mailroom as a group <laughs> totally totally exactly um but yeah I love the you know accosted by some vile disgusting thing it's like it's really exciting there's some great lines in that beginning like you know what didn't you declare you yeah I R X. and I and my favorite line of that entire scene is don't you ever get a nosebleed from taking the high road all the time I know I love it I, I that makes sense I want to like pocket it I know exactly I was like that's really witty that's really great and like that's yeah I literally laughed out loud it was wonderful that whole scene is really funny too because then like um when Blanche is like Dorothy's going through her high school yearbook see all who who all is dead and then you know of course the fun 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 which is like a classic so great um and then the homecoming you can still be homecoming queen (laughs) just be a different kind of home it's funny because that like those are funny jokes and then it just keeps building to just like keep insulting Dorothy which Mm -hmm. like again is like you know just like little this is the 
the end times, right? We're in the the latter half of the show and a lot of the reason of like, there, there's a lot more of the amping up of Sophia being very mean and even the other girls too, you know, to Dorothy specifically. So I just, I just noted that of like, it, it's funny with like, you know, making fun of her, like fun, fun, fun. And then sort of like homecoming queen. And then, and then it just sort of like, there's a few more insults slung as they sort of wander into the kitchen. And I was just like, okay, guys, take it easy. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it just gets a little much. It's like, amps yeah, a little too much. I have, um, so, you know, Sophia makes that crack about the special school for the dull, which just yeah. feels so unnecessary to me because honestly, like, the theme has been that they make fun of Dorothy for being masculine and not pretty and like whatever, which I don't like, but I feel is a is a thread. And like nobody ever accuses Dorothy of not being funny or witty or smart. And so I felt like that particular insult just really kind of was unnecessary and like not not even in line with what they normally insult her with, you yeah, know? So it, it did I, feel I just kind of I agree it's unnecessary, but I will say there is a minor thread of like, you do this on dates, don't you, Dorothy? Right, that's true. being too smart that she can't like hang with like being, you know, entertaining. (laughs) So so I I think it somewhat fits in there too. But to your point, right? They're making fun of like, her age, her hobbies, her personality. And it's just like, there were just too many, right? It was just like too many in a row for me to take, you know, me, a Dorothy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like I said, at the, at the top of the episode, like I, I think it's really interesting when somebody has, and, and then as you said, like not, you know, she, when she says it's not far off, like I was, I wanted to be an entertainer. I was the funniest girl in my class. Like it's not far off of her personality, but even when somebody does have an interest in something that does seem far off their personality, like totally off the wall, right? It was just like, this makes no sense. Or like Rose wants to go skydiving, whatever. Like, I think, I think that just makes people so interesting. Like when you either like their parent or relative or just like friend don't even see it coming necessarily. It's just, you know, just in general, obviously not necessarily within the context of the show, but I think it's like, come on, that's actually pretty cool. Like, yeah, breaking into stand-up comedy in your late fifties, like early sixties, I'm into it. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Let's give her some fucking encouragement, people. Yeah. And then, you know, like, I also like, I think what's frustrating too is anything Dorothy wanted to pursue would have been sort of pretty cool in this way yeah so that's like also what's frustrating about this and also she's pretty like you know it's funny but she is kind of reeling um and it's it's delivered in a very funny way but when she's like god told david to drive into a wall at 80 miles an hour like i know she's really it must be such a weird and jarring experience when so many of your peers die like you know i think that you and i have had experiences where like we've lost people who are around our age you know like yeah here and there and that that is really in addition to being um you know like really sad and emotionally um difficult it's also like when you step back and you think about it it's like oh wow that's so weird you know and like that Mm -hmm. I feel those feelings together um kind of like in mass must be uh to have her feel in all types of magenta and so like to not have any sort of sensitivity to that I think is um also just like not not cool yeah Um, it's not supportive at all come on the old one (laughs) oh my god also like 
how about the fact, just again, applying like sitcom logic to real life logic. Like she says, <laughs> excuse me. I'm, I like laugh so hard out loud that I just yawned. Um, <laughs> she said she wanted to sleep with that Michael Del Vecchio. It comes to light that Blanche actually slept with this dude, like in the coincidence of coincidences. And it gets like literally no comment. <laughs> moves on it's like your lives are so interesting that you're not going to unpack this a little bit (laughs) right nobody wants any more details (laughs) it's just really funny because it's like yeah it's like set up for the punchline but it's also like you would you would talk about this a little bit more (laughs) yeah yeah for sure for sure there would be some um exchanging of details um for sure um you know what else i wanted to ask you so okay there's the irs audit thing which they love they love an audit on the show oh um But also there's obviously the Rose story, which we haven't even gotten into. So would you say that that's like a three story structure or like, I just feel like there's kind of two B stories almost. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I just think that the the Blanche one is so light. It's almost like parenthetical, like an aside. We have scenes with like, you know, another speaking part actor not not that not that IRS lady doesn't like say her name, but that's basically all she says. so I, yeah, it is. It's like two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's like A, B, somewhere between B and C. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they but, love but it. I, like, but because, yeah, yeah they, because there is like that other, it's funny. I didn't even think about the complexity of that. Cause for me, it's like, just like two or three scenes. It's not a big deal. Um, but you're right. Like they had to give Blanche something to do here. Um, and, and there's nothing really to do with the Dorothy one, except at the end to really like be her audience, I guess, be her audience as, as she's going along, but, but yeah. So yeah, multiple, multiple B stories. But when I say the B story, I'm referring to Rose and Roger. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, I think also like the writers love to test out like major themes in these mini sort of ways, because like uh, there's an episode called the audit, like we've already done many audits. It's going to come up again. And then of course, when Blanche doesn't, she can't have that many renters like that's a running theme you know that comes up again too so um I feel like maybe they were just like sort of spitballing ideas and they wrote it in here but then they were like yeah we could we could do something more or like you know they were looking at past episodes being like oh people love audits throw that in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah that one did great (laughs) well also what's funny is that like when we actually see you know, Dorothy's stand-up routine, it's really just like the premise of the show in a nutshell. Like that yeah. no one's done comedy about old people. <laughs> yeah, true. End, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. It's like, it is a repackaging sort of episode that like, you know, in a set, it's it's still a fresh take, but it like writes itself. Cause to your point, it's like pulling from all these other like proven, proven storylines. Yeah, totally. That's a, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but you're right. It's just like, Hey, here's a mold woman dating. Uh. <laughs> yeah, remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but let's talk about how the old one isn't so crazy about the nice one. Um, Timeless. <laughs> everybody always likes me. I I think first of all, I love Rose's outfit. She looks so sleek coming from work. Um, yeah, she's a business when woman. When she sits down, yeah, exactly. She's got that like like silk blouse that goes up to her, like you know, like not like not like a mock turtleneck but you know just like really high up on her neck it's like it looks really good um I think yeah I I just it's funny because to me 
in that first scene for sure like sympathize with rose because again she's just betty white she's such a fabulous actress that you know she sells it so well it's really bothering her right like it's it's played for laughs of like everybody always likes me come on but um but you can you can empathize i can empathize with that i also i want people to like me i think that's pretty classic but like I feel like anybody who's worked in an office also kind of like understands where Roger's coming from because we've all known a Rose. And I feel like as the story unfolds, she gets way less empathetic. And like, you know, especially when she's like, I dropped these little notes off. And I was like, oh no, like you're that, you're that person. So like, I also totally feel for Roger, especially since he's putting up boundaries and she's completely neglecting them. Um, anyway, I, I just, I, I find it fascinating because it, it's sort of like, it's a relatable thing, but then also I kind of think it does injustice a little bit to the Rose character because she's so naive and she like, she gets tricked essentially as the resolution. And it just, it doesn't read as it's not a strong, it's not the strongest moment for Rose's character development, I will say. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a little like one note playing on her naivete the whole time, really, because like, yes, mm. first of all, Rose is the co She doesn't evolve, you mean? Like it's like the same. Yeah, she kind of just keeps running into time. a wall, you know, <laughs> literally. Um, yeah. But she, like Rose is the coworker that people didn't want to go back to the office because of, you know, like I think she's very sweet. <laughs> she means really well, but especially if you already don't like her and then she's coming over to say hi and drop notes and like show your advanced cap caca before you consent, like all of these things. Like, and then the, the, in my, I mean, I think, you know, generally it's wild to buy somebody an animal without knowing them, without their consent. And like Rose loves animals. Oh so like, What's going to happen? I mean, eventually, you know, obviously the cat storyline gets tied up. I would say neither the most <laughs> many plots in this show, but like what that to me, I feel like is also her kind of going off the rails and sort of like losing control of wanting him to like her and just kind of being so obsessed with it a little bit. Yeah. Um, she gets called out as it being an obsession, which I yeah. think is right. You know, it's, <laughs> like, it's like not to talk some sense into her. Yeah, it's not just somebody not liking you. And I um, I do have to say that when I was describing this, the plot of this episode to Michelle, I was like describing it being like, hmm, any, uh, any, notice anything about this? So it's like, you know, like Rosa's coworker doesn't like her and she doesn't even really like him, but she's insistent that he likes her. And Michelle's like, oh yeah, I would never be able to have a coworker who outwardly doesn't like me. And like, I think it's a complex that some people have, you know, like, totally Just everybody always well, it's not unna- it's not unnatural right it's not no. unnatural and that's not the problem that i have with it the problem i have with it is that he's been very clear and he also right. is not he's not antagonizing her he wants no. nothing to do with her which is way better than like an antagonizing coworker who lives for drama and is just like being a bitch to you on purpose or like getting in your way. Not somebody who, if you literally left them alone, they would also leave you alone. Right, that's fine. <laughs> You're allowed to say that to anybody, not just at work. Totally. You like- yes, exactly. And that's, I think that's my problem is like, this is part and parcel of like the Rose's American dream, Kate Brown, like, you know, conversation of like, this is Rose's conception of how things should work and that everybody needs to operate on her terms and not even in the way of like they have to like her and just like like if you're nice to somebody they'll come around right if I do 
this like deed of buying him a cat <laughs> that mauls his parakeet in his hand that like he'll come around right and it's like she's like these are the rules and he's like i don't operate by those rules you crazy crazy person like <laughs> yeah. I'm, i've been telling you directly and clearly and i think that's also this really interesting sort of analogy for how a lot of adults work when you're like i don't know how to explain it to you any clearer about like what my needs are and like I'm communicating very clearly I'm giving you reasons behind it evidence all of the facts but if somebody is not operating on the same level as you like for instance if they're just believe everything they watch on Fox News <laughs> like you can't really have a conversation with them no. so I kind of admire the fact that he's like oh my god I've tried everything so I need to trick this fucking poor woman into leaving me the fuck alone <laughs> Yeah, can't say that anymore, Rose. I love that so much. Yeah, how do we I trick mean, oh, um, that great. How do we trick Fox News viewers? Um, if anybody has an idea, please. I don't know. You just have to block their cable. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We might please be go off that and point, do that. my friend. I know. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, but um, it's like, yeah, the, the trick, the tricking of her is like, I actually like that as a resolution because I'm seeing it from his point of view of just like anything to get this woman off my back. Uh, but also like like I said, it's like, there's some, there's like a desperate sadness to it, which I don't think is intentional. It's meant to be lighthearted and funny, but because I'm so connected to Rose as a character, as well as her growth across the series that I'm, I'm like a little sad that this is how it ends up. Right. And this is kind of what, what you know, getting into the latter seasons of like the goofier storylines that don't have as much, like, we don't see Rose coming around realizing certain things about how the way she used to think about things might actually shift a bit, you know, with new right. evidence and growth and, and age, like we don't see that here. And that's what I, that's where I think that's, what's a little disappointing to me. It's still funny, but it's a little disappointing to me because I prefer the less surface level shows, uh, you know, the episodes and more of like seeing her learn things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's funny when you were saying that I was thinking like, she's going to have this on the other side with Abby. Like, I mean, it's a little bit different, but yes. she doesn't yeah. like Abby and Abby won't leave her alone. And it's like, you know, there's no, this is not a very th nice thing to say, but I don't like her. I don't really like her. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's just about boundaries. And I think you're right. Like Roger, honestly, like he kind of doesn't do anything wrong that we see him. So it's hard to like, no. I don't like situations where you have to not side with one of the girls, I would say. And like, like you're saying, because Correct. we're so connected yes. to them, it's hard to like find yourself in that position or even like have any bit of, I mean, we, we feel for Rose because we love Rose, I guess, but like, yes. you're totally wrong. Like there's no gray area. Here. Exactly. Like, leave the guy there's alone. not even gray. Exactly. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I think that's my biggest issue is just like, I end up not siding with her and I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no. like at the end, she should come around and have like one realization about like boundaries or about like what she should have been doing or like, it's okay that he doesn't like me, but there's nothing there. Right. And again, no. it's funny. Like I'm not yeah, no yeah. to the writers. Like it's a funny resolution. Like, see you buddy. <laughs> like It's just so it's so ridiculous but yeah that's that's kind of where we end up with that one so oh man but yeah um, leave I want to man alone yeah leave him alone <laughs> Just um, <as> Blanche says. <laughs> I want to talk quickly about the draft dodger Phil um you know oh, yes. when there's oh, a little gosh. line about how he ran to avoid the draft which like good honestly good for you my friend um but when so he's like I got confused because he was wearing your dress 
Um, it reminded me yeah. so much of our conversation with PJ West um, and about how he presents this idea that Phil is actually the queerest character um, ever yes. on the Golden Girls, basically. And I thought that that was a really interesting, um, just like little tidbit about Phil because like, was he running to avoid the draft because, well, just because he didn't want to go or was it because of the dress thing or was like, you know, I, I feel like every yeah. little thread of Phil we get, I try to kind of like call out just because they're so, um, there's not very many of them, they're so but they're all kind of together, revealing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, which I thought was interesting. And then I thought also Sophia's reaction, her reaction to Dorothy being pregnant is, um, I think the quote is, get out of my house. I have no daughter named Dorothy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's so funny, she gets mixed up, you know, about, again, with the, the dress overlap. And then there's also the, you got the, uh, the reference of like, you got Martha Ray and Madge mixed up again, which again, oh, yeah. without Matt Browning's <laughs> book, or like Wikipedia, when I was like, you know, watching Lifetime reruns back in the day, like, that, um, that again, is in Matt Browning's, you know, the definitive Golden Girls cultural reference guide book. Um, and it's it actually it's actually a pretty deep like good reference where like Martha Ray um, appeared in a series of like polydent denture cleaner commercials <laughs> like in the seventies and eighties she was like a comic actress you know but then Madge was a fictional manicurist she was played by um, actress Jan Minor in a Palmolive dishwashing commercial so I just love it. it's like such a specific joke about running your dentures through the dishwasher. <laughs> Yeah, that's a real, really so hitting like, from all angles. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? But it's like obviously built on like, you have to know like three things about that yeah. entire scene, right? Like, it's like, it's just like, you know, you've, you've figured out which one was Shinola, right? Like, it's like, you have to sort of know the phrase and you have to know the commercial and you have to know, but like, it, it's really funny. So anyway, I just, again, you know, many props to Matt Browning because you have these reference guides for people who like, I didn't get this. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't familiar with like those actresses names or the character names or anything like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's just, it's a good deep cut. Yeah. Very of the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of, of um, the time, the Lisa Bonet joke at, at the comedy club. Oh man, I know. Which <laughs> I, is know crazy she, yes. I mean, yeah, Lisa Bonet is probably the hottest person I've ever seen um, in the world. And yeah, also because like, she looks the fucking same as she did at the show. And now 40 years later, I know. And it's also like, okay, Lenny Kravitz also, Zoe Kravitz also, um, what's Jason Momoa also yeah. like what a hot family. I know. Good for them. They, they really, they've got good. <laughs> good for <laughs> That's so great. Um, okay. Can we talk about the, you know, like B and a half story between B and C story? Because I think that one, you know, we can, we can delve into the, uh, the comedy after that. Mm -hmm. But, um, well, I, I do love the, you know, <laughs> Blanche, it's not a refund when the auditor leaves two twenties on your next. <laughs> Sick bird. <laughs> Oh man, sick bird. And also just like the idea of keeping like a box of paper receipts is just like fascinating to me. That gave me so much anxiety when I was a kid because like, I feel like when I was a teenager and I started to like have my own money and I would buy like, I don't know, candy and a lipstick at CVS. I'd be like, better save that receipt. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with that? Better save that receipt? receipt. This is what taxes are for. Yeah. See, all of these IRS themed episodes really made an impression. They on you, got right? into it. And now I'm just like, I don't know, TurboTax, I guess. I, whatever. Dude, take my taxes. You oh know? my God. Oh my God. I like a couple of years ago, I was like, my taxes are slightly weird. 
And like, I kept doing them by myself and like every year I get a letter from the IRS being like, you did it wrong. And I'm like, I'm bad at math. And H&R Block purposefully lobbies to make these difficult to do. What do you want from me? So I finally started paying an accountant and literally two years in a row, the accountant, two different accountants have screwed up my taxes. Wow. <laughs> and I'm not, I don't have like, I don't have like offshore weird accounts. Like, I, I mean, it's like, it's pretty basic stuff, but like with like one weird wrinkle, but it's just ridiculous. The government's so not anyway, good with money. It's, real, it's true. No, <laughs> but it's only because we underfund it. We don't want them, you know, the rich people don't want them coming after them. So they go after all the, the little people. Right. Anyway, well, they have we can to pay get tax. into that later. <sighs> Too political on this Elon. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but it's great. And we, we've seen the, you know, the, again, to your earlier point about sort of recycling some of these themes is like, we've definitely seen the like, Blanche is like, I shall use my seduction powers to get out of this issue. And then it's like, oh, it's a woman. I cannot. <laughs> my sexuality. Like, yeah. Yes, uh, like, exactly. Like the heterosexuality, the buck stops here. <laughs> yeah. And I know the narrative is like men heterosexual um cis men have no control over like their sexual desires but i have to believe that any auditor walking into the house seeing her dress that way would would be like lady come on like it's so cut the crap pies on exactly you know? that's I know. what i want that's what i want which is which is why i just love she's like come in the kitchen i'll write you check i'll get you a check <laughs> you gotta know when to hold them <laughs> exactly exactly so so it is funny and like yeah it resolves <laughs> very quickly in that way but yeah <laughs> it's great but that lady is like what that talk about that power suit like mm. that auditor like her hair and everything about her is like so 1980s it's awesome yeah giving me very 1980s accountant for sure <laughs> <laughs> for sure woman in the workplace oh man um all right so let's go let's go to the comedy barrel uh, or at least talk about the comedy barrel. First of all, what a what a name for a club. It's great. <laughs> but going back to this whole, like, you know, Dorothy has some comment when she's talking about Rose being like trying to convince Roger to like her. And she's like, Rose, I admire you. Like when you want something to happen, you go, you know, you go for it. Like yeah. <laughs> obviously not quite the same thing. There isn't, you know, Rose's issue is not victimless, whereas Dorothy's is. But, yeah, Dorothy's projecting um, hard here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Projecting real hard. Um, but it's really interesting, uh, again, of like what I was saying at the top of this is like the there are a lot of people in the world and not maybe not something as big as like stand up comedy, like get in front of a crowd and write a, a set, <laughs> you know, that's really hard to your earlier point and very intimidating, but there are like even just minor things of like that. I've heard a lot just anecdotally of big people I run into are being like, Oh, I could never do that. Or, you know, I, uh, I've always wanted to X or whatever. People of varying ages. I'm talking everything in like your twenties to all the way to your fifties and sixties. And it's like, I, I get that there's a lot of fear and anxiety and there are like bad things that can happen from taking certain chances, but, but I just, I also feel like our society really does a shit job of encouraging you to just, you know, blur the lines a little, like get out of your comfort zone. Like we don't, we don't encourage that at all. Right. There's like paths you follow and that's kind of it. And I, I just, I guess in, in, uh, being in the world for, <laughs> 
almost 40 years, I've been shocked at how many people are incredibly conservative like that and kind of would make fun of their daughter for like pursuing something as innocuous as like wanting to do like a four minute set at the comedy barrel once. Yeah. You know? uh, so I just, I, I, I really love that Dorothy gets to the point where she does something. And like I said, where she says like, okay, I did it. That's great. I don't need to do it anymore. Like, it feels really good. Like we're, it's, it's over, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, totally. just like and sex like, with Stan. Yeah. You just wanted to, yeah, you just want it to be over. Um, no, I think that like, you know, your point about sort of any age kind of having something that you could do, like there's no real barrier. Yeah but you just don't want to. It reminds me of Georgia Holt, Cher's mother, um, who she recorded a, a country album in 1982, but it, it never came out. And then in 2013, Cher and her mom um, did this whole sort of like press tour or whatever, and they released it. And I think she was like- Oh my God. That's yeah, awesome. she's like 96 now. So I don't know. She was like very old when it came out. It was like a big, you know, a big deal. And I just feel like that is like such a classic real life example of- wanting to do something maybe not you know being afraid or like scared of the the reception or whatever it is and doing it and I feel like this is exactly that and I think that like what you're saying about sort of everybody kind of has something like that I think makes that really relatable um, and yeah. yeah you just do it and then you don't have to do it anymore or maybe you love it and you continue but like Dorothy doesn't love stand-up so she did it once she can check it off and she can move on without knowing like but now she knows, you know, I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like, if you, <laughs> that's what I meant by the power of something hanging over your head. Like, have you ever had this whole, you know, there's, there's whole tweets and memes about this whole thing where you're like, I've had to do like a three minute task for like four months. Oh yeah. <laughs> Send a fucking email or like whatever it is. And it's like built up and it's this whole thing. And then you finally like, you know, you have a drink and you steady your nerves and you're like, okay. And then you like send the email and you're like, oh, okay. It's yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, totally. whatever it is, right? A task, a difficult conversation, putting up a boundary, like, you know, these things are difficult for a lot of people and it's rightly so, right? These are like knit, there's shit that you have to do in life that is hard. And then there's also shit that you might want to do in life that's hard, such as trying stand up or like taking a trip by yourself if you've never done that or like asking someone out, right? It's like, there's, it's so interesting. Like, I think even the, the asking someone out thing is fa fascinating too, because it's like, I, I actually ended up with my husband because I sent him an email, like telling him that I was interested in him. And as soon as I sent the email, it was like a huge load off, even though I obviously was like gutted to like, you know, like wait in the waiting period to see what he would say. Yeah. <laughs> but I told the same, my a friend, a couple years later had had like a long-term crush. And I was like, just try it because like, it's going to agonize you forever, <laughs> especially if this other person ends up with someone else and you'll always wonder what if, and like all of this stuff. And it turns out like, you know, her crush let her down gently. And then literally she's like, okay, it's okay. Yeah. And then like, lost it, all. it was great. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, finding this list from high school of like your undone deeds is pretty heavy. And it's just, I, I just really, I just really like how it's it's just a very good message about yeah, trying and, things out and I think she comes back to like the realization of like oh I like I really like being a teacher and it's 
interesting because I do think this is mostly presented in a romantic way of like yeah. you have to if you don't take a chance nothing happens right like you have to exactly. pursue it um but it's follow it's, your own advice Dorothy exactly <laughs> I'm but gonna cool take a here. chance <laughs> I'm gonna take a chance oh god um <laughs> but it's cool here that it's like I mean, I guess career or like, you know, whatever, eventually, I guess you'd be an entertainer. But like, I think that's, um, that's an interesting juxtaposition too, because like, yeah, ultimately, if you don't send the email to your crush, or if you don't try this, you're going to be pining for this fantasized idealized version of what would be like if you did it. And like, you got to just do it. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, you, you make a good point. I totally forgot that at the end, you know, she brings it back around to teaching instead of mm-hmm. like, oh, what if I had gone into the entertainment route at high school? And a lot of times when we do, again, step outside of our comfort zone or like, for instance, move to a new city or take a break from a partner or like, just like switch to something else, like another track of life, even temporarily, it tells you a lot about how you actually felt about your previous track of life, whether that be a career or a partner or like a city you live in or what have you, right? It's like, it's kind of a grass is always greener thing. And it's also a like, don't know what we've got till it's gone kind of thing. But like you can, if you, if you take up sort of like an alternate path, it tells you a hell of a lot about how you felt about the previous one, even if you spent the whole previous one like complaining about it and like maybe Dorothy thought she did, like she didn't like it. And then it just ended up reinforcing that she had made the right choice all along, which is lovely, you know? And that's again, like trying new things is really important for that too, to like tell you about what you do and don't like and what you've, you know, want to continue with or not. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very wise. You're just wise. Wise. You're just wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But I also, so I love the, I think it's great. Again, like we're flexing so hard with different sets. We go to the comedy barrel. I think it's fucking hilarious that she is announced as Dorothy. Show us your. Yeah. Support. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's probably well, like, do tricky, take a lot of hurts. Oh my God, seriously, like the bad boy of comedy. Wow, he's so edgy. He has a leather jacket and he says like bad where, I mean, it's like such the epitome of like, not only 80s comedians, like a Sam Kinison kind of thing, but like absolutely what a bunch of white guys think they are today. Oh yeah, <laughs> so like Andrew Dice edgy. Clay is who I thought of. Andrew Dice Clay, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. Or like Ricky Gervais today. Ugh, blurred. Like, oh, like- I'm funny because I just insult people. You're like, cool, cool, cool. Anyway, moving on. Moving um, on. I do, I do like, I'm like, what kind of supportive like stand-up environment is this where no one claps when she comes on stage except the people she knows her? Like, come on, I've been to, like, you, fine. If you don't think she's funny during the set, I'll give you permission to not, you know, clap as much, but you got to at least clap at first. You don't even know her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This will not surprise you, but stand-up comedy makes me so uncomfortable. I do not like live stand-up <laughs> Unless it's like a big like theater where it's somebody established, but like amateur night, not for me. <laughs> what would you, um, you would you, but you would clap for these people. Right? I would of As, course clap. It would make me so uncomfortable yeah. that people weren't clapping. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. I think you'd be yelling at people next to you. Yeah. Woo! What's wrong with you? This is so odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It's great. Um, I don't really have anything else more to add except one of the best lines uh, that we did not bring up, which is like, Ma, these are your twilight years. Like, are you kidding? I'm supposed to be dead. These are your twilight years. Oh, good. It's, 
epic. It's really great. And just so matter of fact, that like, no, 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 no. Don't try to put, pin this on me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's got uh, her own list. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, do you have anything else for this one? Um, just this one is a little harsh, but it does make me laugh when Sophia's trying to write her own joke. And she's like, why did Rose throw the alarm clock out the window? <laughs> because she's a moron. <laughs> I like it. That's great. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. But also when she's like, she's like, I don't like you. You know, and she's like, you always say that. She's like, or you, you just say that it's like repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's so harsh, but way harsh, Ty, but pretty, way pretty harsh. funny. <laughs> oh, man it's great <laughs> but yeah this is a good one and I'm actually I'm again surprised of how much like I have thought about it <laughs> you yeah. know since since re-watching it which is pretty great so great <laughs> job everyone all right all righty well that's a wrap uh, join us next time we're going to discuss wrapping sharing our feelings and creating good vibes I can dig it <laughs> take care everybody <laughs>